All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday morning, uh, 12.05 specifically, as I get into uh, just a wonderful game. I wasn't able to go tonight in person, and I deeply regret it, um, but I was watching, and I was taking notes, as, as all does, and got to rewatch some of this game for sure as well. And you definitely want to rewatch this game because this was a classic. The Nuggets beat the LA Clippers final score 130-128 in overtime. And oh boy, uh, I am going to wax poetic on Nikola Jokic. There aren't enough superlatives to describe what he does for the Nuggets on a daily basis. What he does for the team every single time he's on the court. Let's just read the stats. Uh, 41 minutes in out of 53. So he did sit 12 minutes tonight. and They were, they were an important 12 minutes. Uh, but he played 41 minutes and scored 49 points. 16 of 25 from the field. 3 of 5 from 3. 14 of 16 from the free throw line. He was aggressive tonight. And he was going after... Ivisa Zubac and every other switch that he had against the Clippers also racked up a triple-double. 14 rebounds, 7 offensive, 7 defensive, 10 assists, including a very, very important assist, uh, 3 steals, 1 block, 5 turnovers, was a plus 15 on the evening in a game the Nuggets won by 2 in overtime. Just an incredible masterful performance by Nikola Jokic. And it really started where it was kind of a subpar game for him for most of the first half. He had 12 points on 11 shots in the first half. was kind of floating a little bit. Hadn't really put his imprint on the game. Missed a couple bunnies. Missed a couple... uh, uh, Hadn't really played great defense up till that point either. But third quarter rolls around and Defense was still a little bit of an issue. I tweeted about it earlier. Uh, But the offense, oh my God. Uh, (laughs) He had 12 points at halftime. He scored 37 points in the second half in overtime on 14 shots. He hit a bunch of threes. He got to the free throw line. He made sure that he was putting his imprint on the game very consistently. Got on the offensive glass. Rebounded misses for the Nuggets. And the tempo that he was doing this at, where it was just relentless over and over and over again, going at Zubash, going at Serge Ibaka. Uh, Ibaka barely even played in the second half. Uh, I don't know if it was necessarily due to foul trouble, but they decided to go small. Isaiah Hartenstein was out there as well, uh, but Zubach was the main defender, and he had a fantastic game, Zubach did on the offensive end for most of the night. Uh, but good lord, nobody was stopping Nikola Jokic tonight. Uh, just an incredible, incredible game. And a lot of it came down to the fourth quarter in overtime, where he took over. And the Nuggets didn't go any other direction. They decided they were going to force feed post-ups, pick and rolls up top where Jokic was the ball handler. Uh, he would catch on the pick and pop and then drive to the rim. He would get into the post and then try to get onto the offensive glass. Uh, 
He was everywhere, doing everything. And it just felt so big for the entire time. At various points throughout this game, it felt like the Nuggets were going to fall behind. They were going to lose. But I'm pretty sure when the score was about 108-103 Clippers with about four minutes left or so, Jokic went on a personal 7-0 run. He was able to give the Nuggets the lead briefly before the Clippers ultimately tied it up and then took the lead and then Denver got it back. Uh, But Jokic was doing everything on the offensive end, even on the defensive end a little bit, where they were attacking him nonstop on switches. Uh, There were several sequences where Jokic had played pretty good defense and Reggie Jackson would just hit a shot over him or uh, Ivisa Zubac would get an offensive rebound or something like that. But for the vast majority of the game, it certainly felt like Nikola was doing everything in his power to keep the Nuggets afloat. The timing of this is so important because Denver had two days off for this game. They needed this win. Michael Malone decided to play the starters pretty heavy minutes tonight, where four of the starters played 40-plus and Jeff Green played 33 at 35 years old. So these guys were they were definitely tired by the end of this thing, don't get me wrong. But because they had a couple days off, Michael Malone decided he needed to go with them. And Jokic was the guy to really carry the day. That despite there were there were some pretty solid performances around him from two guys in particular. But for the most part, it was Jokic, where he nearly puts up 50, was one off of a career high, or like 50 was his career high, but he did that against the Kings. This one felt a little bit more impactful because that Kings game was in a loss. This one, he dragged this team from the depths where it felt like they were going to lose. Then he rattles off a bunch of points in a row, puts Denver in a position where they can succeed, and ultimately gets Denver this win. And he did it in a number of ways, but for the most part, it was scoring. The pass at the end, where Jokic has the ball, the game is tied, 127. The game is tied at that point, and Jokic has the ball in the slot. He catches it. I think it was off of a Monte Morris pass, but it might have been Will Barton. And he's immediately doubled. They are not going to let Nikola Jokic shoot the ball to close this game because he already had 49 until that point. So the Nuggets are trying to scramble. They're trying to figure this out while the clock is winding down 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And during that time, Monte Morris back cuts from across the court and drags, whether it was Terrence Mann, whether it was somebody else, uh, drags the opposing player away from Aaron Gordon. And Jokic fires this incredible pass from the slot, the right slot, all the way across the court to the opposite corner and hits Aaron Gordon right in the shooting pocket, right on time. Aaron Gordon catches. Shoots, hits the dagger three to put the Nuggets up for good. That was the pass that gave Nikola Jokic a triple-double. 
the one-handed nature of the pass where he had two players in his face, needed to have the touch pass on it, but also needed some zip on it from all the way across the court so that the closing out defender couldn't get there in time. Jokic was able to provide. And it's so rare to find a player that can score that many points and also make that pass and also rebound the ever-loving shit out of the ball. The Nuggets found a real gem here in Nikola Jokic, and obviously everybody knows that now. But it's crazy to think about where this came from and how he called himself a fat little point guard and how he has evolved his game, evolved his body, evolved his his mentality and mindset to becoming the player where, yes, he can carry this team on his back, put up performances like these that are just absurd, and do it all while kind of fighting some some tough calls, fighting some... Uh, there was a weird sequence where Zubac, like, to, for Jokic to get his 49th point, 48 and 49, uh, Zubac bear-hugged Nikola Jokic at the top of the key, and the refs let him play on. Everybody was wondering what the hell is going on because, like, Zubac is not necessarily allowed to give Nikola Jokic a hug at center court while Jokic is trying to get past him. Uh, but that happened, and then Jokic got the ball, and he drove down Main Street and laid the ball in. I think it was a floater, possibly. There are just so many ways that Nikola Jokic can kill you if you're an opposing defense. And there are so many ways that he has helped Denver overcome obstacles where it felt like they weren't going to be able to succeed. It's clear that they needed to get Jokic the ball against the Clippers. They had struggled with it in the first half. He only took 11 shots. Didn't really take that many free throws, if any. And he needed to get the ball in his hands in order to put up this kind of a performance. And he did. He delivered. And that is what an MVP is all about. I said this on Twitter. I don't think there are very many players in NBA history that are as effective of passers as he is. He's not going to put up the volume a ton. He's not a point guard with the ball in his hands all the time. He does touch the ball a lot. But there are so many instances where he isn't put into a position where he could facilitate as often as a traditional point guard is. But when he does have the ball and when he does have the opportunity to pass, you can see what happens in situations like the one that they had at the end of the game. The moment wasn't too big for him. He found the open player. He found the read and delivered an impossible pass to a situation where he gave the opportunity to another teammate to make the play, and Aaron Gordon absolutely did. It really is incredible. Jokic is now up to 7th in the NBA in points per game, 2nd in rebounds per game, and 10th in assists per game. Only player, obviously, in the top 10. Like There's, there's nobody else that can do that let alone is, uh, he's incredible. And what he continues to do is unprecedented. Uh, It's funny that Joel Embiid put up a night tonight where he had 50 and Jokic was like, hold my beer. Let me just put up 49 and and a triple-double 
on national TV. That was pretty fun. That was pretty cool. Michael Malone said post-game that if Nikola Jokic is not the MVP, who is? He doesn't know. I don't know. I don't think you can give it to Curry with the way that he's played of late. I think you could probably give it to Giannis and feel okay. You could probably, frankly, give it to KD and feel okay. But my vote would be for Jokic. With what he's doing in carrying this team, this clearly flawed team without him, what he's doing on the court with them is nothing short of incredible. And I hope that everybody had an opportunity to see that tonight. I hope that the national audience was able to really get a good look at what Nikola Jokic looks like when he's delivering like this. There are very few players in the NBA that can ever reach this level. LeBron once reached it. Kevin Durant has reached it before. Giannis has reached it. I'm not sure if anybody else in the NBA has ever reached this level. Maybe Steph. We are seeing greatness. We are seeing a historical, historic, excuse me, a historic performance from one of the top players in the NBA and who just might be the back-to-back MVP. We'll just have to see. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the rest of the rotation. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook, where we are in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and we are about to celebrate with a huge odds boost to new customers. The NFL is counting down to Super Bowl 56, and you can get 56 to 1 odds on any team just as long as you bet $5. You bet $5, you can get 280 in free bets if your team wins. 56 to 1 odds, it's hard to beat that. Not a new customer, you can definitely get this, get in on the action with the new same game parlays feature in the divisional round. I know that there's a lot of opportunities for a player like uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, as well as Josh Allen and the Bills, uh, to potentially put up some big numbers in the same game. So if I were you, I'd bet on the touchdowns, I'd bet on those guys delivering. I think that that seems like a great opportunity for uh, making some money off of that DraftKings opportunity. You can combine those bets into the same game for a bigger payout, and the more legs you add to it, the more you're going to win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to go to DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS when you do. You can get that 56 to 1 odds if you're a new user, or if you're not, just do those same game parlays. Let them know that you came from us using promo code MHS the official sports betting partner of the NFL, DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll.
Pryor, welcome back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get to the rest of the team. And I want to start with the guy who made the shot, the, the most important shot of the game. Uh, that's Aaron Gordon. Uh, 28 points, 44 minutes. That's the, that's the thing that really stands out to me. There was a real stretch there when Jokic went off the court at the end of the third quarter uh, where Aaron Gordon was the nominal five. Uh, Zeke Naji actually played the five. He was defending the five, but Gordon was the guy who was in the pick and roll, and he was doing it with Monte Morris, doing it with Bones Highland. Uh, there were a lot of good moments tonight from Aaron Gordon. He was a plus 21 in his 44 minutes. Let me say that again, plus 21 in a game the Nuggets won in overtime. There were just nine other minutes in the game. Like, that's insanity. Uh, Gordon's quickly becoming a a plus-minus darling. He shares the court with Nikola Jokic a lot, which is one of the reasons why. But he's just playing really well overall. Uh, Sometimes there are games where he, he doesn't necessarily shoot the ball well. Sometimes there are games where he doesn't uh, attack the rim as often as he could. But tonight, it really felt like he was at the best of both worlds with that. Uh, 28 points on 16 shots, 4 of 7 from 3, 4 of 6 from the line, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals. He was productive, and he was the primary defender on Reggie Jackson tonight, who was just killing it. I don't know if it was any fault of Aaron Gordon's, uh, because Reggie Jackson, he started the game 6 of 9, Uh, finished the game 6 of 13, I'm pretty sure. He was just fantastic, Reggie Jackson was, and I'm not sure if anybody could have really shut him down tonight. He was just in a a different world out there. It was very impressive to to watch him. But Reggie Jackson should not be the guy that Aaron Gordon has to defend. He should be defending Terrence Mann, or Amir Coffey, or somebody else like that, but he's having to do double duty right now and be the main point of attack defender, which is crazy. The Nuggets are using him like Ben Simmons, and he's not quite Ben Simmons in terms of his actual impact and his defensive abilities. And so you're going to see guys like Reggie Jackson really, really flourish. You're going to see guys like, uh, We've seen in the past Tyrese Maxey played pretty well against Aaron Gordon's defense, and it's just a really tough assignment to have Aaron Gordon do that when in tonight where there were 53 minutes, he played all but nine minutes in this game and just has a lot to do on the offensive end too because, let's face it, Will Barton scored seven points tonight. Monte Morris scored 19, but it was on 20 shots. Uh, The entire bench combined for 15 points. There was not a lot of help for Nikola Jokic, but I want to give Aaron Gordon his flowers. On a night where it felt like it was Jokic against the world, it really is fitting to me that Gordon was the guy who hit the game winner, because and Jokic was the one to pass it to him off of a double team. It felt very uh, fitting, because Gordon had played pretty well up until that point. He had made some shots. He had made the, the shots that he needed to hit. And him getting to 28 points, he's had some really high point totals over the course of these last few games. It's it's been pretty impressive to watch him really assimilate into what Denver has done. He feels like a nugget. 
he feels like a very key fixture of this Nuggets team going forward. And keep in mind, they brought him in to be the fourth best player. That's incredible. What Monte Morris and Will Barton have done for most of this year, Jeff Green as well, what they've done this year to kind of step in and, and fill the gaps for Murray and Porter, I think is very it's very important. Uh, Jeff Green, especially when it comes to Michael Porter's role. Uh, but it really does stand out to me that Gordon, who has really been maligned at times for being a bad three-point shooter, for being a bad decision maker, has turned himself into somebody with elite shot selection for the most part. There are still some shots that I'm like, eh, maybe, maybe that was a little bit bad. But for the most part, he's dunking, he's cutting, he's posting up, he's hitting threes, he's doing everything that you want a complimentary wing player to do. And it's been a lot of fun to watch him. Uh, he deserves his credit for this game. Monte Morris also deserves credit. 19 points on 20 shots, so, so it wasn't an efficient shooting performance. But he had 9 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 steals, 0 turnovers, was a plus 14, uh, was a part of Denver's biggest moments. And he was the guy uh, above Will Barton tonight where Monte was the guy setting the table for Yoke. Monte was the guy who was uh, the consistent recipient of those Jokic passes, even more so than Gordon. Uh, He didn't have as efficient of a shooting game as Gordon did. And I think that Monte's three-pointer, it's kind of fallen off of late. I'm I'm a little bit concerned about that. Uh, But it still feels like he's doing his absolute damnedest to fill the gaps in for Jamal Murray, for Michael Porter. And tonight, he also kind of filled in the gaps for Will Barton, too, who did not have a really good game and, and was kind of invisible for a lot of it. So I was really happy to see Monte play well tonight. Uh, had a couple good moments defensively as well. This is a game where it really goes to show when Monte Morris goes back to the bench, that is a quality player that Denver's always going to have that can rotate in and play these different combinations. And he fits seamlessly with these Jokic units for the most part. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can continue to do. Uh Hopefully, he gets to ice up a little bit after a 45-minute game. That's a lot. Will Barton, like I said, 41 minutes tonight, seven points on eight shots. Uh, did have four assists, did have four uh, four rebounds, had the two turnovers, but they were very early in the game, so he didn't have another turnover for the rest of the night. Uh, kind of interesting to think about Will's night, where I, I don't necessarily... I don't think he took any bad shots. I think that the shots that he took, he had to take. I think there are a couple with the bench unit where he was out there without Jokic, where he had to pull up from three because there was no dribble penetration before that. There was no space created before that, and he just had to chuck up something. But for the most part, it was a very low volume game from Will. And he did a pretty good job, I think, of minimizing those minimizing any mistakes. Um, He was out there to be a steadying force, was involved in a lot of the actions, but not necessarily the recipient. And look, his ability to scale down is very important. Like when other guys have it going, when Jokic has it going, Monte was playing pretty well. Aaron Gordon was playing really well. 
Barton deserves credit for not taking a bunch of their opportunities away. Like, I, I really do think that that is a skill. And his ability to kind of shape shift and morph into what the team needs at any given point is still very important. Uh, I, I think he needs to be more consistent as a shooter. I think that that's kind of gone away a little bit, but if he can get that three point show that stroke back, then I think we will, we'll see a good version of Will Barton for the rest of the season. Uh, one that hopefully is a little bit more rested. Uh, and finally in the starting lineup, Jeff Green, uh, not a, like kind of a nondescript night for Jeff Green. I do remember a, an offensive rebound that he grabbed, which turned into a Nikola Jokic and one down the stretch. That was really big. But 12 points, four of nine from the field, two of five from three, two of two from the line, four rebounds, three assists, two steals, a plus eight. That's that's pretty good. No real issues there. He also had a key stop on an Avisa Zubac post-up attempt. It's, that's important. These things are very important in the grand scheme of things. Uh, not necessarily a great matchup for him against the Clippers. I do think that there are better matchups for him in general. Um, but tonight was not necessarily one of them. Hopefully, as Denver kind of evolves with their schedule, they're playing the the Grizzlies on Friday. They have Kyle Anderson. Uh, they also have Brandon Clark there and Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson is probably the guy that he will defend. So I'm very, very curious to see how that goes. That's, that should be fun. Um, all right, we've still got – let's talk about the bench now. We're going we're gonna to do this pretty quickly because – I do not want to belabor this point once again. Uh, let's start with Davon Reed, who's the guy that – actually, no, we're not going to start with Davon. We're going to start with Faku. Uh, Faku Campazo, nine minutes, 0 of 5 from the field, 0 of 3 from 3, zero assists, two rebounds, zero points, zero turnovers, uh, was a minus 12. He was a part of some bad units, and particularly the bad bench unit. Uh, the first half bench unit was Faku, Bones, Austin Rivers, Jeff Green, and Zeke Naji. And there was not a lot of good. I'm pretty sure in that first half, Jeff Green made a basket in the second quarter. And I'm pretty sure that was the only paint basket or paint attempt that the bench unit had. That's really awful. They couldn't get to the rim. The Clippers have a good defensive group. Um, their five-man unit, I'm not sure if they were all out there on the same at the same time, but uh, Eric Bledsoe, Luke Kennard, Brandon Boston, Justice Winslow, Isaiah Hartenstein, that is a unit that is designed to give Denver some issues, where Bledsoe was, I think, on uh, Bones. He might have been on Faku, but... I know that Bones was was guarding Brandon Boston, who had another really good game against the Nuggets. Um, Faku specifically is having some of these issues where he's just not being guarded by the Clippers, especially when Jokic is out there. They give him free reign. They give Faku free reign to go wherever the hell he wants on the court. But Eric Bledsoe's the guy that usually is on him. I do remember it now. Eric Bledsoe's the guy that's on him. He doesn't give a damn. That Faku's out there. And you can see it. You can see what happens when the the post-ups for Jokic kind of collapse on him. You can see what happens uh, in the second unit where Faku is 
out there on the perimeter and Bones is trying to get by and they're shrinking the floor or he's in the, he's in the corner and not really being guarded at all. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily all his fault tonight. I don't think the Bones played particularly well and I think that he was probably most at fault for why the bench was bad. But I think that if you're picking between players that you want to take going forward, I think you want Bones out there because he's going to give you some of that positive volatility. Somebody who could really string together a performance against a team like the Lakers or against a team like the Blazers, I guess. But he also played decently against the Jazz, in which Faku didn't really. like. I think there's a very strong divide between how Faku plays against good defenses versus bad defenses. Good defenses know how to treat him and they know how to play him. Uh, bad defenses don't. They just play it straight up and they kind of get screwed up by a lot of what's going on. But either way, uh, nine minutes for Faku. He got benched in the second half. Basically what happened uh, was after the first half debacle that was the bench unit. Um, the second half featured Faku coming in at about the five-minute mark for Monte Morris. And then Monte came back in at about the two-and-a-half-minute mark in the third quarter and then never came back out. So Faku played like two minutes in the in the second half. And Michael Malone's going to have to figure that out. He's going to have to figure out what to do with this rotation uh, because that's just not enough time for a backup point guard. So maybe there's a different player in Bryn Forbes that's going to be involved with that. Uh, we're going to have to see. I'll talk about that in the third segment, by the way. Uh, but I'm very curious to see what happens with the backcourt rotation for obvious reasons. Bones tonight, I thought he was bad defensively. I thought there were a lot of moments. He, he did get a block tonight. There were, there were a couple of uh, good deflections, I think. But for the most part, he got kind of lost when guarding Brandon Boston Jr. Um, he also got lost when guarding Luke Kennard at, at various points, and that's not great. You want him to be staying focused after what happened against the Clippers in the last matchup happened, where he got benched and then never came back in in the second half. Michael Malone decides to trust him in the second half, and I'm I'm pretty sure he hit a three in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, don't don't uh, don't quote me on that. He hit two. I know that, but I just don't remember if it was first half or second. Half. I know one of them was in the first half uh, for sure. But he was fine. Six points, like on seven shots, is not great. He did have three assists. I'm pretty sure that one of those was to Aaron Gordon in transition. He plays pretty well with the starters. Kind of plays that same tempo. Plays that same spacing. Uh, he does a really good job of it. I think he does it better than any of the bench guards. So other than maybe Davon Reed, maybe, uh, but either way, pretty good, uh, not, not pretty good. A, an average to subpar game from bones. Uh, let's not get it twisted. That was, uh, there were like, he was just the best of a bunch of bad options. Uh, Austin Rivers also got benched. He never actually saw the second half. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting that Denver went to Davon Reed at the end of the second half and or at the end of the first half. And then they played him in the second half and nobody else. It's crazy. Um, but I think it was the right call. I really do. Uh, Davon Reed did some good things. 
Uh, Zeke Nashi also uh, two of two, one of one from three, two rebounds. Just a very nondescript evening from Zeke Nagy. I do think that he was one of the issues with regard to uh, Ivisa Zubac, Serge Ibaka, Isaiah Hartenstein. Those guys all made him look pretty small. And he did get an offensive rebound, Zeke Nagy did, but it does seem like in a lot of these matchups, he's just overwhelmed physically. And especially by veteran centers that know what they're doing. Uh, Hartenstein even knew what he was doing too. Uh, thought that he had a really, really good game, especially in the first half. But uh, Davon Reed did some good things with Denver in the second half. I, I like seeing him being involved in the rotation because I think he's more malleable to what Denver needs. And he hit a couple shots. He also hit a uh, he hit a back cut uh, off of a Nikola Jokic pass. So I do think that Davon Reed is is closer to maybe being an everyday kind of guy. Uh, he didn't start in the rotation. I don't think he would have been in the rotation had he played better or had had the bench played better in general. I think that Denver would have gone with uh, their standard rotation where Jeff Green plays three stints and Davon Reed doesn't really play at all while Austin Rivers does. But we're going to see. We're going to see how Denver kind of takes this against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, that is a big game, a very, very big game for uh, where the Grizzlies, they just lost against the Bucks. Um, in a game that I thought that John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. played really well. So they're going to be looking for revenge, I think, and they think that they're better than Denver. So we will see how they handle it. Uh, but for now, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to do one more segment on Bryn Forbes. I didn't really do enough of it yesterday. Uh, that podcast was fine. Uh, it was it was not necessarily my best work, I don't think. And so I wanted to give it a little bit more of a dedicated look through after having written about Bryn Forbes last night after the podcast. We'll be right back. Back at it, final segment, pick action roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. What a win! What a win for Denver, where they go to twenty-three and twenty. Uh, they've they've now distanced themselves a little bit from the five hundred mark. That's pretty cool. Uh, three games above five hundred now, and they are firmly entrenched in the sixth seed in the Western Conference right now. Uh, they also have the second easiest schedule remaining uh, per positive residual, I'm pretty sure, where they just have a good combination of rest games, of uh, no travel games, of home games, of games against an easier schedule. Uh, it does feel like things are turning around just a teeny, teeny little bit. And uh, I hope that Bryn Forbes can kind of add to that uh, potential. Nights like tonight would have been really helpful for Bryn Forbes. Like having him in the rotation, having him at the disposal of the Nuggets would be really, really helpful. He's a just a frankly elite shooter who more often than not is going to 
put the Nuggets into a position where he needs to be guarded closely every single night. And tonight, you you look at Denver's backcourt in the in the the backup backcourt because you can you can say what you want about Monte Morris and Will Barton. They're playing like they're starting right now, and they will be major pieces in the in the starting unit and second unit when Murray and Porter come back. Don't get me wrong. But nights like tonight, where Faku goes 0 of 3 from 3, where he can't attack the paint at all. Uh, he had Isaiah Hartenstein on an isolation at one point, and I thought he was going to take the 3. He drove to the middle of the paint, faked a layup, spun around, and he got Isaiah Hartenstein off the ground, got him away from the basket, and then for whatever reason, decided not to put up the open layup. He passed it out to the corner for a contested three. And if he doesn't have the confidence to make that shot, to deliver that shot into the basket, then it's just not worth the stress of trying to make it work offensively. It's not going to work if plays like that are going to consistently happen, and they have been happening a lot lately. Maybe maybe not one a game, but at least one every other game. It's crazy. That shouldn't be happening. Austin Rivers also goes 0 of 2 from 3. Really struggled to make entry passes into Nikola Jokic while he was out there. Uh, that's bad. Like, not being able to get the ball to the MVP is really bad. And Austin Rivers had problems with it last LA Clippers game as well. I think that he's in a position where his three-pointer, which is streaky at best, is not good enough to really space the floor out for the rest of the defense. And so when teams sag on to Nikola Jokic in the post and he's trying to get the ball there, Bryn Forbes, what he would do, they would not double off of him. Like They would not be playing off of him trying to get Jokic to give up the ball. Like If Bryn Forbes is trying to make a damn entry pass, Despite only being 6-2, teams can't sag off of him and double Jokic on the catch. Because if Jokic gets it right back to Bryn Forbes, Bryn Forbes is shooting that thing. And he shoots 45% from three on catch and shoots. It's one of the best marks in the NBA. Bones also was 2 of 7 from the field tonight for six points. He did make a couple threes, but he got benched for some bad defense in the second quarter. I know somebody else who could get benched for bad defense in the second quarter, but he's going to shoot 42% from three. That's that's Bryn Forbes. Bryn Forbes is not a defensive player. He's going to really struggle on that end. But I think what we've seen, even when Bones is out, this team is bad defensively. When Jokic is off the court, when Gordon is off the court, when they don't have a functional rim protector. They aren't a functional defense, and Faku has just as much trouble staying in front of his man on and off the ball as Bones Highland does right now, as Austin Rivers does right now. Rivers is much better off ball, I think. Not as good on ball. Davon Reed, pretty good on ball. Not as good off ball. All of these guys have their own warts defensively. It's not like... Bryn Forbes is so much worse than all of them as a defender. 
because Faku, for all the great things that he does, trying to pick the pockets of a, of the opposing team, trying to get into passing lanes and dig down and try to contest as many shots as possible, there are some good things that he does there, but it also kind of leads to some bad things too. And I really do think that if you just in- introduce a consistent three-point threat in Forbes, teams are going to have it a lot more difficult to try to contest Jokic, to try to make life difficult for Bones, to try to shrink the court uh, for Aaron Gordon when he's out there with the bench, for Will Barton when he's out there with the bench. If those guys are facing better and better and easier and easier matchups, then maybe that helps everybody out. I think it's at least a good gamble for Denver to be taking. And they're taking it on what is the sixth most efficient three-point shooter on volume in the NBA in the last six years? I posted the stat on Twitter uh, Wednesday morning. The six most efficient three-point shooters in the NBA since Bryn Forbes entered the league are Joe Harris, J.J. Redick. Actually, it's Joe Harris, Joe Ingles. J.J. Redick, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Bryn Forbes. I know it's crazy to believe, but it's true. He shoots the ever-loving hell out of the ball. And having a player like that that you can't double off of, that you can't leave, think of what the Clippers did tonight to Faku, where they just blatantly left guarding him to double in the post to rotate over for the help, and they just decided we're going to give up this open three. It was so bad that Faku had to cut all the way across the lane, receive the ball up top, and then he bricked the three anyway. Wide open. Teams are going to be scared to leave Bryn Forbes to do that. And I hope that that translates into some good offense. Because if it doesn't, then I don't know if there's going to be anything that Denver can do until Murray and Porter come back. Because those guys are what really drive good offense without Jokic, in my opinion. They have different combinations that they can go to, but for the most part, it's just about talent. And Murray and Porter are such talented players, such talented shooters, that they can really push the envelope like that. But I do think Monte Morris playing 45 minutes tonight, 45 out of 53 minutes, sat for eight total minutes in an overtime game. That's not viable. Like, he's going to get hurt. It's just plain and simple. And rather than doing that, Denver needs to be introducing another potential guard into this rotation whether it's to take minutes of somebody else or to just kind of shrink the minutes of Monte, shrink the minutes of Barton for a little bit until Murray comes back. That is going to be able to save Denver, I think. And here's to Forbes. Maybe winning some Den- some games for Denver for along the way. That would be great. Three lineups that I want to see Bryn Forbes in. I want to see a Bones Highland Bryn Forbes, Davon Reed, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic lineup. 
I think that would be a fun group in the backcourt. And then you've got some some two elite defensive wings, or maybe not elite, but pretty solid defensive wings in Davon Reed and Aaron Gordon. Maybe they can make up the difference for some of the bad defense that will probably be played in a Bones and Forbes backcourt. I understand that that's a problem, but I do think that Denver could get away with some stuff with that because you've got Jokic and Gordon out there. You can pretty much do whatever the hell you want except play Faku. Now, Monte, Forbes, Bones, Jeff Green, and Zeke Naji, that is a lineup that I also want to see. And maybe it's Bones, Forbes, Barton as kind of a staggering group um, to provide a little bit more size. But I think having Monte, Forbes, and Bones would be pretty good for Denver from an offensive perspective. Monte's a little bit more of a traditional point guard here where you can give him the ball and pick and roll with Jeff Green, pick and pop with Zeke Naji, And you can also have him isolate, where you can drive to the middle of the paint and create open threes for teammates. He does that better than Faku while being a threat to shoot. I think that this is a lineup that Denver will try for sure. Monte, Forbes, Bones, Jeff Green, Zeke Naji. You're staggering two starters. I know it gets tough. But if you've got Forbes, if you've got Bones, if you trust those guys, you play them next to Barton too, there are ways that Denver can get away with it. I really do think that they can. And finally, Jamal Murray, Bryn Forbes, Davon Reed, Michael Porter, and we'll throw in Jamichael Green. Somebody who hasn't been in the lineup, who's been out with health and safety protocols, who's really struggled. Can he play well? Can he be well? Can he do a good job in the middle of the floor when he's surrounded by three elite shooters in Jamal Murray, Bryn Forbes, and Michael Porter? Can Davon Reed kind of be the, the defensive guy that connects things in there in the way that P.J. Dozier was somebody that Denver thought that they could use? I think that that's a viable lineup as well, and it's something that you could pro- you could probably look forward to. Something that if Murray comes back, if Porter comes back, Jermichael Green's probably not going anywhere unless they make a surprise deal. Um, Introduce those two into the second unit. Michael Porter might be a permanent bench guy for the rest of the season. Like that, that may be something that happens. I don't think that Murray will be. I think that he's so ingrained into the Nuggets' identity, they're going to want to get Murray to start. But they might decide that they want Porter to come off the bench. And if he does, this is a good lineup that I think you could go to and trust, where Forbes is the main guard off the bench. Um, You don't necessarily have Monte in this lineup, but maybe you get Monte staggering with the second unit. Maybe this is a way to give Monte a break, where you have Murray, you have Bryn Forbes like just running around screens. You have Davon Reed, who can shoot the ball. You have Michael Porter, who can definitely shoot the ball. And you have Jermichael Green. I think that feels pretty good. And I think that Denver can get away from some of these bad bench units that they've been throwing out there. Once they do get these reinforcements back, it's an exciting feeling to be able to play around with a whole bunch of different shooters, not just guys who are trying to masquerade as shooters. 
Bones will eventually get there. He's going to be an elite shooter. He's got to figure out his, his uh, form. He's got to get stronger. Uh, he's got to be in the NBA for a little bit longer. But I do think that he's going to eventually be a borderline 40% three-point shooter because he's that talented. But we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see what he does. We're going to have to see what Forbes looks like. I'm very curious. I think that he will be with the team on Friday. We will see if things get held up. Like It's a three-team trade. Very possible that things kind of hit a snag at some points. But I do think that he will be with the team, and we will get to see him in a Nuggets uniform on Friday. Very interested to see what it looks like. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. What a win tonight. Nuggets 130, Clippers 128, and a historic performance from Nikola Jokic topping it all off. That was fantastic. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you could rate, review, and subscribe, that would be awesome. Talk to you guys very soon.